0: certainly thankful for the prayer that brother dylan offered and pray that the lord would continue to bless us pray that you would pray to the lord that he might continue to be with us in our service and i've got a lot of allergies so i may do a lot of sniffling i don't know what's coming on but my eyes are itching and it's hard for me to sing through the whole song service even though i enjoy it and enjoy trying to but anyway lord willing we'll we'll get through it a part of old age and of things that come to pass. You know, I don't know where to begin this morning. We all know that this is a holiday at, in most people's eyes called Easter. Easter was truly a pagan holiday and the name came about. Really, this is all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and every day ought to be about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, it's amazing to me and myself included how Immensely important, everything else is in the world, save Jesus Christ. I mean, sometimes we are like the Jews who drew nigh to God, honored him with their mouth lips, drew nigh to him with their mouth, honored him with their lips, but their heart wasn't in it. I preached on that a few weeks ago about neglecting the Lord Jesus Christ in the marriage. It's very compatible to what's wrong with the vast majority of marriages that we see in our country today, and as marriage and family goes, so goes the church and nation, morals, and we look around and see a, see a, a, moral, a country of morals that are, are vastly declining, and it's, in my opinion, it's because uh, of our, our, our focus being taken somewhere else in this world and not upon Jesus Christ. There's just nothing more important. Life is but a vapor that appears for a little time, and it vanisheth away. So as important as all these things are to you and I in, the, in our life, making money, making a job that God has promised to take care of us, our time is very short. It's basically irrelevant compared to eternity where there is no time. Over in Second Peter where it tells us that a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day is just, just a moot point with God that time's relevant. Time's everything to you and I. Matter of fact, we don't hardly have time to worship the Lord. We're so busy with life, but Time will come to an end for each and every one of us. And when it does, change will never be had in our lives. And that's the glorious thing about it. We'll be like the Lord. He never changes. But this morning being the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if God would bless this morning, we will try to to speak on that to to some extent. I want to take most of our marks from the Old Testament. You know, throughout all the ages, there's been two questions are upon the minds of most men not just children of God but but those who are not his children where do we come from and what happens when we die that's the the greatest questions that mankind has to answer we're going to touch just a few minutes on the first one as children of God as Christians as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ we believe in creation Those who believe in evolution will tell you that there is no God. You know, the the fool has said in his heart there is no God. The scoffers say there is no God. I remember it's been when my boys were younger age, before any of them were ever married. And out of high school, we went and watched a documentary at at one of the theaters here in Lubbock. Uh, There wasn't hardly anyone in there. It it wasn't a movie that people go to entertain themselves with. Uh, it, It was a documentary by Ben Stein called Expelled, No Intelligence Allowed one of the best documentaries I ever seen about the, proving that there was intelligent design being God in in the universe you know the evolutionist says that two atoms come together and exploded and we found somewhere down the line the amoeba we or whatever it is and 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 one thing after the other evolved and and you know we had apes and monkeys and you know the story I don't even know how it all how they unfolded at all but here we are uh, but the problem is, if you get down and really test those folks and you ask them where the atoms come from or the lightning bolt that hit the meteorite, they got no answer for it. Where did they come from? You know, they'll, they'll give you a starting point, but they don't know where the starting point came from, the two, the two atoms or whatever they're, they're talking about. For the child of God, we believe in the doctrine of creation taught in the Bible. It begins in the very first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's just about that clear. God created. He took nothing and produced something. He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. And friends, that's a principle in Psalms 33 that you should never forget. Whether it was in the creation of the heavens and the earth or where it was in the creation of you as a child of God. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus if you're a child of God. The Bible teaches us that. If you're heaven. Uh, born in heaven bound you are a new creation by the wording of that verse there had to be a creator there had to be something done in you that no one else could do Uh, there had to be something performed in you that no other man uh, had any ability to ask for or to do or to accomplish or any other thing if any man be in Christ he's a new creation what happened then? God took away the heart of stone now sometimes Christians heart throughout the Uh, hearts down through the time, they get uh, scarred over, calloused over, they get hard, and they turn away from God. But, But the stony heart that Ezekiel talks about is a heart that's not receptive to the word of God, neither can it be. It's hard, it's like a rock, you can't penetrate. But God took away the heart of stone, He gave you a heart of flesh, a tender heart, a loving heart, a heart that has the ability to have the gospel of Jesus Christ penetrate into it. So we see this idea of a creator throughout the entire Bible, and we see the omnipotent power of Almighty God. That's important. It's seen throughout Scripture from the very beginning, and we're going to see it until the Lord wraps this work up. Something you cannot deny because Scripture teaches it. You know, the evolutionists, it takes more uh, wildness to believe in that than it does to believe in God, in my opinion. Now there are those who declare that there is no God. They don't believe in God. But God tells me something through the, the Apostle Paul's writing in Romans chapter 1. It says in verse 20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being, man, uh, being understood by the things that are made. What does he say in there? When you drive around and you fly around in a plane or whatever it is you're doing, and you look at the mountains and the valleys and the vast oceans, you see the oceans never cover up the land. You know that the earth uh, continues to rotate on its axis. The sun comes up every day and it goes down every night. You see the creation of God. We don't see God with the naked eye, but we see what God created, and it continues day in and day out. never changes. It's the omnipotent power of God that sustains us, right where we are you know some of the scientists that don't believe in God have wondered how we didn't get thrown out into the universe when we were circling around the sun you know I, I tell you what it really amounts to over in Psalms 139 David said the knowledge of God is too high for me to attain it's too high for you and I to attain too it's something that we cannot understand but by faith we believe it God was from everlasting to everlasting he's a creator you know, he made man out of his own creation, but he created the dust first, the heavens and the earth. He took what he made. you hear people in the world today say, well, this man created this? Men don't create anything. They make things out of the things that God created. You know, they take the stuff from the earth, the ores and everything else. They, they don't create. A cre- creation means to bring something from nothing. Men don't do that. There's only one, the only true and living God that has that ability. So that's why we believe in creation. Now for time's sake we'll move on a little more. The second question is is what happens when, when we die? You know that's been a question that's asked down through the ages. I'll never forget about 11 years ago I, I went out to Elder Stephen Bloyd's 50th birthday party and believe, believe it or not I can't imma- I can't believe how fast time has passed by but I was out there and stayed for church and, got on a plane in, in, in baltimore maryland and was flying had a, a direct flight to albuquerque new mexico and i see sit down with this lady and we begin to get engaged in conversation come to find out she was a jewish woman and and she uh worshiped in a synagogue in in uh, albuquerque but she didn't believe in jesus christ you know some of the jews don't believe there's several different sects. there's reformed jews fundamental jews but she didn't believe in christ and i began to tell her what i believe and she said, I wish I had what you had in that belief, but basically what she told me was is when she dies, she just goes back to the dirt, dust of the earth or fertilizer, and that was the end of it. That's what she believed. Now, how sad would that be if that's a story we were to preach today? We're going to get sick, and we're going to get old, and our loved ones are going to pass on, and we're just going to turn into fertilizer. Well, that's, that's, that's uplifting, isn't it? But that's what some people believe. And then there's those that believe in reincarnation, you know, we're going to. Die as a human and come back as a tree or an, or an animal or, or whatever. You know, it's pretty much silliness if you look at it, in my opinion. But we believe there's a, something going to happen to us. And this question has been asked from long ago. And I want to read from the book of Job this morning. I, I've read this a lot at funerals, but this these words in the 14th chapter of the book of Job begin to ask questions and give us an assurance uh, of what's to come long before the Lord ever stepped foot on the earth. It's remarkable what Job knew. The book of Job is considered to be the oldest book in the Bible. Now it's not the the, the first happenings, but as far as the first book written, you know some of Genesis and stuff were written later even though the, event, the events took place earlier. But needless to say, Job was a perfect man and he was upright. He was perfect and he was mature and complete. He wasn't sinless there's no man save the Lord Jesus Christ that ever lived on this earth that was sinless but he was upright and he eschewed evil in other words he done the best he could to, to turn away from evil and from the things that were wrong when he lived his life many things were taught in, of Job that you and I ought, ought to get a, a lesson from you know Job went out every day and, and he offered up sacrifices and prayer for his children I ask you today that to, you, you honestly Go on your knees before God Almighty and pray for your children every day. You know, Peter said over in Acts chapter 2, with many other words that he testified and exhorts, saying, Save thyself from this untoward generation. Do you know that our children today need saved from the untoward generation which we're living in as bad as I've ever seen? I don't care if they're in college or they're five years old like my grandkids. They need saved and delivered from this untoward generation. It's a, it's a generation that is not a friend to, the, to God, not a friend to grace. That's the world we live in, and and if you don't believe it, you got your eyes closed and your head stuck in the sand because that's the world we're living in now, a changing world. You know, the Bible tells us a man will wax worse and worse, and we're witnessing it. We're living it. In the last days, peerless times shall come, dangerous and difficult. You know, if if you've read God's word and you believe what God says, you, you know what he says is true, and it will come to pass. But I think about Job. Thousands of years before Christ set his feet upon the on the earth, he asked that question in verse 14 of Job chapter 14, If a man die, shall he live again? Now he wasn't asking, Would a man die? Is it impossible? He'd already lost his ten children. In one day, more things happened to Job than has ever happened to any of us. And yet he did not curse God. He didn't charge him foolishly, and he didn't sin against him. Now his wife... She wanted Job to curse God and die. He was going through some very difficult times. And, and, you know, there's so many lessons taught in Job. One of them is the power of Satan. Satan Satan is smarter than we are, and he's more powerful than we are, and he's having a great effect upon the Lord's people in this country. I, I tell you, when it all goes back to that first sin committed in the garden. And that tells the story of what's going on to every one of us in the world. What happened to Eve? She believed the serpent. She believed Satan. She believed his lie. Today, people, for many reasons, are doing what they do because they believe Satan's lie. He's convinced them. They feel justified. And Satan has deceived them. But Job said, if a man dies, shall he live again? That's been a question that's been asked all down through the ages. He knew death was something that was going to come to pass question was, shall we live again? Shall there be a, another time? Notice what he says, all the days of my appointed time. What's he talking about? He's talking about all the days from the time he dies and, and that he lays in the, in the heart of the earth, in that cold, cold grave as people would call it, until the Lord returns. He believes that, and we're going to see that in a minute. All the days if it's appointed time. Can you imagine as far back as it was when Job lived, how many days and years his body's been in the grave? A lot longer than your and my body's going to be in the grave, to, uh, you know, if the Lord, we're one day closer to the Lord coming back. If we're not alive when the Lord comes back and we finally die, our time, our appointed time in that grave is nothing compared to Job's. He says, all the days of my appointed time will I wait. What's he waiting for? It's the hope that you and I have. He said, I'm waiting till my change come. Let's notice in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the words of the Apostle Paul. We're going to get several verses here just to to make a distinction. It says in verse 15, Let's get verse 45. And so it is written the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, he's earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. When the Bible says the first Adam, it is our federal head, our natural father in the flesh, Adam. The second Adam is the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren, he's talking to children of God, that flesh and blood cannot in- inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery We shall not all sleep, meaning not every person will be dead before the Lord comes back. There will be people alive and walking around, and in in that moment, that twinkling of eye, things are going to change. I used to think that, I guess when I was young, I feared death a little bit, a lot more than I fear it now. And I thought, oh, how great it will be if I can just live when the Lord comes back and I won't have to die. And that may be great, but it, it it may not be very pleasant. I don't know what things will be like or how bad things might get, so I might... I might wish I'd have went on, but he says, but we shall all be changed. We shall all be changed. Think about what Job said over there, all the days of my appointed time, will I wait? What was he waiting for? He's waiting for a change that was coming somewhere down the road, and he was confident it was going to come. That's the confidence that you and I have, that there's a change coming. Whether we're caught up in the air with them who rise first, the dead in Christ, as we're told in First Thessalonians chapter 4, there's a change coming in your life, a big change. And it's going to happen very quickly. I was talking to my wife this morning about that. I said, can you imagine? I can't imagine, she said, how great that would be. But I, I said, you know what? what's really going to be strange? If you was driving by a cemetery or out at the cemetery, can you imagine those graves busting up and everybody coming out of them? The just and the unjust are going to rise at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said in John chapter 14 and verse 19, he said, Because I live, ye shall live. We know that he rose from the grave. But Job's living thousands of years before Christ ever came to the earth and died on the cross. And he has a tremendous confidence in what's going to happen. You know, the Lord had to show this man something. There's no doubt in my mind about it. He worshiped God. He prayed to God. He tried to do the best he could. He said, I will wait till my change comes. What is that change? 52nd verse in 1 Corinthians 15 says, In a moment, and in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. I don't know how quick you believe a twinkling of the eye is, but I tell you, it's pretty fast. We're all going to be changed in that short a period of time. I'd say it'd be like snapping your fingers, blinking your eye. That change is going to take place. The change is going to be so fast, it's, it makes me wonder if we're going to re- have any realization of what was before. You know, heaven says we'll, be, we'll know as we're known. Bible tells us that we'll know one another. Some people disagree with that. They believe that if you know one another, you'll know somebody that didn't go. But the Bible tells me if we believe that, you do err not knowing the power of God. Neither the scriptures nor the power of God. That's where we err. The brothers that took the same wife and married, each one of them married until they come to the seventh brother. They wanted to know whose wife she'd be in heaven. And Jesus said to them directly, says, you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. You can go over to the book of Obadiah and it talks about those that are not in heaven. It talks about the elect and the non-elect. And it tells us that those who are not there, that those that we knew that are not there will be as though they were not. That is the power of an omnipotent God. We're not going to be up there having tears and sorrows. That's just the way it is. And even though we don't understand it. Till my change comes. There's a change. A change coming and, and Job knew it. And it's a change that you and I look forward to. You know, we've laid our loved ones in the grave. Every one of us have. Some of us have laid our parents in the grave, our children in the grave. We've sorrowed and we've mourned over it. Elder Steve Woods talked about that yesterday and, and, and his son being buried and, and how, how hard it was. It's hard for all of us. But there's something that anchors our soul. It's called faith. It's called hope. It's called the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's because God has promised that we'll one day see them again. We will. We'll see them again. And that's the hope and that's the strength that we have to continue to go on and on and on. Think about Job here. Where would he have been? Ten of his children died. That servant brought word. All your families died. A great wind hit your house. It blew over and every one of them's dead. Not to mention all the other things that he went through. And he gets to the 14th chapter and he begins to talk about what's going to happen down the road. He says, I'll wait till my change comes. Thou shalt call, and I will answer. I told you about the new creation. I told you about the creation of the heavens and the earth. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God spoke, and it was done. God commanded, and it stood fast. When he called Lazarus out of the tomb, he said, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus didn't think about it. Lazarus didn't decide what he wanted to do. When he quickened you and I who were dead in trespasses and sins, God's omnipotent power is effectual. That means it's immediate. It doesn't have anything to do with what you and I are doing or thinking or is going on in our life. When he calls, we come. When he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light, we didn't question it. We didn't think about it. We didn't go down the road and say, "Let me Give me a few weeks and I'll decide what I want to do. Wasn't your decision. God called and you came. That's what Job says here. There's coming a day. He says, My body's going to be in the ground for many, many years. And you're going to call and I'm going to answer. And he says, Thou wilt have a desire to the work of thine hands. I believe he's speaking about what's going to happen to us. Philippians chapter 1, 3 and verse 21. Let's get verse 20. For our conversation, our life, our lives, for our conversation is in, in heaven. For the child of God, it's in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I, I, the more life goes on, the, the more I look for Him. It, it, it would really, I, I wish He'd come back this very moment. You know, some people say, Well, I, I got things I want to do. Well,. There's a lot more going to happen in heaven. It'll be a lot more enjoyable than the things we think we got to do here in this life. I promise you. That's for all of us. Who shall change our vile body? Job, thousands of years before Christ ever set foot upon the earth. He said, I'll wait all the days of my appointed time. Been thousands of years for Job. But he has great assurance and great confidence that one day the Lord himself, Jesus Christ, will come back with a shout and he will call that body out of the ground and that body will answer and immediately it will come forth. If we didn't believe that, we'd have no hope. If we didn't believe that, we would never expect to see those that we love who went on before us. It's a part of life. It's not easy. But the hope of the resurrection continues to help us march forward in life regardless of, of how young or old it is. is somebody that was laid to rest in our life. It's what it does. We hope to be with them one day. To live with them throughout all eternity. Far better than what's going on in this life today. It's the hope of the resurrection. In Job thousands of years ago. He knew what it was. Thou shalt call. And I will answer. When God called you, you answered. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 19? To usward who believe. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? The exceeding power of God. What is it? it said it's in accordance. It's according, in agreement with the mighty working power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Did you know that it took the same power for you to become a believer in Jesus Christ that it took to raise Jesus Christ from the dead? Did you know that? John 5 and 25 says, Verily, verily, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Why didn't all the dead hear? None of the dead can hear unless the omnipotent power of Almighty God is exercised upon them. Just like the dead body in the cemetery. We could go out there every day and talk to the dead and you'll never have one of them rise. But I'll assure you when Jesus Christ comes back to this earth, and he calls to those tombs, they will come forth. They will answer, just as Job said. You and I have not that power, but the God that you and I serve has that power. His power is omnipotent. It's effectual, I mean, it's effective. We're told in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, as I spoke earlier, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Those words tell us that you had to be created. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We see this power of God working throughout creation, throughout the natural creation and the new creation. And we're going to see this same power come to pass when the Lord comes back without sin unto salvation and calls those bodies out of the grave. We're told over in Hebrews chapter 9. In verse 26, For then must he have often had suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world, that is the Jewish law service, the Old Testament, hath he appeared, that's the first coming, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ once offered to bear the sins of many, not the sins of all, you notice that there, and unto them that look for him shall he appear. The second time without sin unto salvation. Who's going to look for him? Those who he called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Those who he quickened and made alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who he touched by sovereign grace. John 1 and 29 says, This is the work of the Lord that you believe on him who hath sent. It's God's work and God's work alone. God gave you a heart, a tender heart when you were born of the Spirit of God. He took away the heart of stone. He took away the heart that would not allow the Word of God to penetrate it, to believe it, and gave you a heart of flesh. And I tell you, God's love, God's Word will penetrate that heart of flesh when He created a new heart in you, a new creation. You know, He says, we have a hope. You want to think about Job? I think about the other things he had to say when he got over to Job 19. You know, Job lived a long time ago, but it was amazing what Job knew. Verse 25 of chapter 19 of Job says, he says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth. One thing we know by that statement is Job needed to be redeemed. He knew he needed to be redeemed. He prayed to God. He prayed for his children. He gave sacrifices up for his children. He said, it may be that they've sinned against you, Lord. You know, it may be that way with our children. We need to pray for them. But Job said, for I know that my Redeemer liveth. Well, the Lord hadn't come to the earth. He hadn't become flesh. He hadn't took on a human body yet. And yet Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. He knew that the eternal word of God was alive, that he was God himself. Declared to be the Son of God when He came, as we know Him in the Lord Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the Word. The Word is capitalized. That means He was the eternal Word, the living Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning. All things were made by Him, and without Him there was not anything made that was made. Job said, I know, for I know my Redeemer liveth. You know, we've... We've read the Gospels. We've heard the Gospel preached. The Gospel wasn't even written in Job's day. The four Gospels and all the epistles of the Apostle Paul. And yet Job said, My, I know. Look at the confidence. I, for I know that my Redeemer liveth. It's his. It's his Redeemer. It's your Redeemer. It's a personal Savior, Jesus Christ. Job said, I know that he lives. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. There's two thoughts that I have considering what Job said. First of all, he knew that Job was, uh, that his Redeemer was God Almighty. He knew that he lived and that he was eternal. But he also knew that his Redeemer would have to come to the earth. You see, see it, man committed the sins, you and I committed the sins. Jesus Christ went to the cross because of you and I. Some people don't get that. They think, well, some wicked men took him. But it was determined that he should die. Let's notice what it says in Acts chapter 2. He was talking to those Israelites, the apostle Peter, and he says, ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did By him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain him. Yeah, their intent was wicked. But I'm going to tell you what, the God that we served laid down his life. Go to John chapter 10. He says, I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it. These men would have never took the life of the Lord Jesus Christ if he was out to defend himself. When they arrested him, he told his disciples, he said, I could call 12 legions of angels right now and put an end to this. He came to lay down his life for our sins. It was the only way. He loved you with an everlasting love, and with loving kindness he drew you at some point in your life. And he's going to come back, and he's going to get you. He's going to take you home. He shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. Notice verse 26, and he says that, and though after my skin worms destroy this body. You know, Job's body's probably destroyed right now as long as he's been in the grave, wherever he's at on this earth. I don't know, but the Lord knows. That's a, isn't, that, isn't that a wonderful thing to know? I don't know where Job's body lies on this earth, but God knows. I don't know where lots of folks' bodies lie on this earth, but God knows. Some of them lie at the bottom of the sea. Some of them lie in graves. Some of them were burned to ashes. But God knoweth where they're at. And one day they're all they're going to be like Humpty Dumpty except they're all going to be put that together in a better way. They're not going to be so broken that God can't fix them. Man can't fix these problems, but God can. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. You talk about a confident man living thousands of years before Jesus Christ ever came to this world and died upon the cross of Calvary he said there's coming a day that in my flesh the flesh that I bear right now I'm going to see God whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold and not another there are people in this world Christian people will tell you that you're going to get a new body you're not going to get a new body you're going to get a fully and complete repair job that will never need to be repaired again It's going to be kind of new to us. It's going to be free of sin. We're told in 1 Thessalonians chapter chapter 5 and verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. It's not H-O-L-Y, it's W-H-O-L-L-Y. That means all of you. I want you to understand when Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary, He didn't just purchase your spirit or your soul. He purchased all of you. Your spirit, your soul, and your body. Paul said, and I pray, God, your whole, W-H-O-L-E, spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Job's laid in the grave until his appointed time is done. But he knows that day's coming and that God will call and that he will come. It doesn't matter how decayed his body is. It doesn't matter if your body's burned to ashes. It just doesn't matter. God knows, and God in Himself will bring that together again. You know, He took dust and made Adam. And He took a rib from Adam's side and made woman. I'm here to tell you, our God has the power to bring these bodies back from wherever they are and put them right back in the condition He wants them. And so shall we have a glorified body. You know, there is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And I don't understand that. You remember when Jesus rose from the tomb and he went to see the disciples. He come walking through the wall. He didn't open the door. And and they were fearful and they said it was spirits. And Jesus went over and sat down with them and he ate. I can't tell you what a spiritual body is. But it was something different than just a spirit. He was able to eat. They knew it was Jesus Christ then. You know there are people in the world that doubt. You remember old doubting Thomas? He said, if I don't see the handprints, nail prints in his hands and the spear that was stuck in his side, if I don't see them, I won't believe. There's a lot of folks like that today. He said, I need to touch them. I need to touch the nail prints. Put my fingers in them. The only way I can believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, but you know when Jesus came into the room, he didn't have to see them. When Jesus is in your presence, you're not going to have to have that kind of, uh, evidence. When Jesus came into the room, he said, "My Lord and my God." And friends, that'll ha- that'll be with us. it will be with us. Amen. Job said, "In whom I shall, for my see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed in me." I tell you, Job had a hope that we all need to have—that one day we're going to see the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to go home. And this corrupt body is going to put on incorruption. And this mortal body is going to put on immortality. And the saying is going to be come to pass that death is swallowed up in victory. Thanks be to God which give us the victory through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our sins were put away at Calvary. But you know 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that Jesus Christ after he rose from the dead was seen by the, Peter first, Cephas, by all the disciples. He was seen above 500 brethren at once. And Paul says, and last of all, he was seen to me. I seen him. There were more eyewitnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ than you could throw a stick at if you put it that way. No doubt about it. More infallible proofs, as we're told in Acts chapter 1. Jesus rose from the dead. And he is the hope that you and I have. John chapter 14, and I'll close on this. He says, let not your heart be troubled. He says, you believe in God, believe also in me. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. We sang that song, Victory in Jesus, and it talks about he built us a mansion up there, but, you know, I have my opinion of what the mansion's going to be, and it's going to be each one of you, each one of God's children. The body that the temple that God says our spirit and soul dwell in is corrupt, it's polluted. But one day when it's glorified, that glorious, like the glorious body of Jesus Christ and sin free, it'll be like a mansion. You'll never cry another tear. You'll never have another sleepless night. You'll never see death again. You'll never change. You'll never have a bad thought about anyone, your family, your friends, your workers, Anybody. It doesn't matter. You you won't have those things. That's going to be a mansion in itself right there. You're going to be housed in a mansion like the glorious body of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. He didn't go to heaven to build you a mansion. He went to the cross at Calvary to prepare the way. That's what he did. He went to the cross, and he took your sins and my sins. And they were laid upon him. And that three hours of darkness that took place when he was up on the cross, he bore the sins of all the elect family of God from throughout all the history, all the ages, past, present, and future. He bore all their sins in that three hours of darkness. Friends, they tell me that darkness was so dark you couldn't see the front of your hand. That's how dark it was when Jesus hung on the cross of Calvary. Well, we're told also in 1 Corinthians 15 that the Sadducees says there is no resurrection. There are people tell you they believe in God, but there's no resurrection. If Jesus didn't rise, there's no resurrection of the dead. Bible tells us that our worship service here is in vain, our song service is in vain, and we're yet in our sins. Friends, I'm here to tell you we got a better story than that. We got a story called the Resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's never failed to keep his promises. And he promised he would come back a second time without sin unto salvation. And he would call, as Job said, and we will answer. We will come forth. forth. John uh, chapter 5 verse 28 says, Marvel not, the hour is coming when all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. The just and the unjust are all coming forth at his command." He says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. God made us a promise that one day we'll go where he is. One day we'll go where our loved ones are. And if we pass and our loved ones are still here, and and they likely will be, one day this will end. I don't know when that hour is. And they will come, and we'll be gathered together as the family of God to live with God throughout all eternity. And you know, the older I get, the sweeter that message becomes. And the more corruption and the more sin and the more immorality that I see, the more I yearn for that day to be sooner than later. And may God bless us to never lose sight of the hope of the resurrection. It is the hope that anchors our soul. May God bless you this morning, and I hope that God would bless the reading of his word and that he might have gotten something out of this that would be beneficial.